Well, good afternoon. How are y'all doing today? It's good to see y'all. Did y'all miss that hour of sleep last night? I, I tell you what, I always joke that this is my, my least favorite Sunday of the year, not because of church, but because we lose an hour of sleep. And the one in the fall is my favorite because we gain an hour of sleep. Y'all like that? Uh, well, it's good to see y'all today. Welcome to our series called The Goat, The Greatest of All Time. And uh, I've been excited about this series for the last couple of months, planning, getting ready for it. And uh, one of the things that, that I want to admit to y'all is some years ago, whenever we started using the acronym GOAT, uh, people were posting it on Facebook with different quarterbacks, different sporting figures, and they would put it on there. And to be honest with you, I had no idea what they were talking about. The reason why is because, you know, you think of a GOAT, I, I didn't know if they were calling the person an old goat, you know, like Tom Brady, man, he's an old goat, you know, it's time to hang it up. Uh, or, you know, you go into scripture and you see Jesus separating the goats and the sheep and the sheep went to heaven and the goats went to hell. And I'm like, well, that's not such a good thing. And then uh, I saw somebody post it one day and I said, you know what? I'm tired of not knowing what this is. And so I Googled it. Don't you love Google? Got on Google, looked it up, the greatest of all time. And I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense. And so uh, we're going to talk over the next several weeks as we go through the series about what greatness really is. And this is a discussion that man has been having since the dawn of time. And especially in our culture, we love to argue about who is the greatest of all time, who is the GOAT. And so you see this argument throughout our culture, and, and let me just kind of, let me throw a couple pictures out there to see what, what your thought process is on this. Guys, go ahead and, let's look at this first picture. Hi, look at that. Uh, LeBron James, Michael Jordan. That's the argument today. Who is the GOAT when it comes to basketball? How many of y'all here would say, you know what, LeBron James, he's the GOAT? Raise your hand. LeBron James, couple of, okay. One, Blake, you were in the last service, okay. Your vote does not count in this service, Okay. So he, he did that last service too, cheering in the back of the room, and we had to send him out. Uh, how many of y'all say, you know what? No, Michael Jordan, he's the GOAT. Come on. Uh, that's, that's my people right there. Okay, yeah. All right, how about the next one? Show me the next picture. Uh, we got, come on, Tom Brady or Drew Brees? Now, this is a good one here, okay? Now, you have to be non-biased in this one, okay? How many of y'all say Tom Brady, he is the GOAT? Raise your hand. Okay, a couple of you. Okay, how many of y'all say no? It's Drew Brees, the goat, all the way. Okay, <laughs> Kelly, did you raise your hand? Atlanta Falcons fan, get out. Okay, so, all right, and then we are a you know here in Central, we're of a more of a rural community. So I figured that this next one, you know, get some thoughts going. So what do you think, Ford or Chevy? Okay, because we are a rural community. How many of y'all say Chevy all the way? Raise your hand. How many of y'all say Ford? Come on. What are you thinking? Then who just says, you know what? No matter what I get a good deal on, that's what I'm happy with. Okay. Uh, some people really take this serious. Like I have a good friend of mine. Uh, we went to high school together. He lives in Dry Prong. And uh, he's always posting stuff on social media, literally bashing people who drives drive Fords. And I'm like, dude, I drive a Ford, you know? So one day he, he went a little too far and I actually messaged him like, dude, seriously, you need to chill out, you know? And he came back and he said exactly what I would expect from a Ford fan. You're soft. And I'm like, that's terrible, you know, whatever. But seriously, mankind has been arguing about greatness for thousands and thousands of years. And so what we're going to do 
is we're going to take the next few several weeks, we're going to look at greatness, we're going to talk about the greatness of Christ, because we know the greatest of all time is in fact Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at some of his miracles, we're going to look at his life, we're going to look at the example that he set for us, and today we're actually going to start by looking at a discussion amongst the disciples. So if you have your Bible today, take it out. Go ahead and turn over to the book of Luke. That's where we're going to spend some time at, Luke chapter 9. And uh, we're going to look at this discussion that the disciples were having. And in fact, if you want to know the truth, uh, Scripture actually records that they were having an argument about who was the greatest. And I can only imagine Jesus did not, but if I was in Jesus' shoes, I might would have like wanted to smack him in the back of the head and say, you know, come on, guys, seriously, we're supposed to be here building the kingdom. We're supposed to be about our father's business, and you guys are having an argument about who is the greatest. But fortunately, Jesus did not do that. And you're going to see here in just a moment that he took it in a direction that we probably could never have imagined. Luke chapter 9, it says this, then his disciples began arguing about which of them was the greatest. Now, I can only imagine that this is kind of how the argument went down. Like Peter steps up and he says, hey guys, let's face it, I am the absolute best. I'm the, I'm the greatest out of all of us. And, and in fact, if you look around, you know, Jesus, he said he would build his church on me, you know, because my faith is like a rock and uh, he's done miracles. Through. It's, you know, I walked on the water, all this kind of stuff. And so surely I'm going to be the greatest. And the other disciples were like, you know what? Uh, you got, you, Peter, sit down, be quiet. You're being, you know, crazy. You always stick your foot in your mouth. You're always saying crazy stuff. So just h- hush up. And then John, you know, he's probably like, well, you know, I am Jesus's favorite. And so I probably will wind up being the, the greatest. And then Thomas, Thomas probably spoke up and said, guys, I doubt any of you are going to be great. Y'all, y'all like that little, little joke I threw in there, huh? All right. So here's how it rolls because they're having this disagreement. And look what it says. But Jesus knew their thoughts. In other words, he knew the intent of their heart. He knew what was happening on the inside of them. He knew why each of them individually would yearn for greatness within their life, their insecurities, their failures, all of those things. And so he brought a little child to his side. And he said to them, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me also welcomes my Father who sent me. Look at this. Whoever is the least among you is the what? The greatest. So Jesus took the idea of greatness and completely turned it upside down. In other words, if you want to be great, you've got to look to be the least. In other words, you have to have a heart to love the people around you. You have to have a heart to put others before you. You have to have a heart to go after the Father, to to long for that relationship with Him. He completely changed the conversation. But here's one of the things that you know. First of all, this discussion about greatness or who is the greatest, who is the GOAT, has been going on for thousands of years. And one of the things that I like about this, I want you to notice this. When they were talking about greatness, Jesus did not rebuke them. He didn't say, hey guys, would you stop it? You're being foolish. You need to just cut that talk out about greatness. No, he actually told them how they ought to strive for greatness by putting others before themselves. And here's one of the things we learn by that, uh, is that the world is not attracted to, or the world is not inspired by average. All of us are inspired by greatness. 
And as believers, we should long to be decent, good, even normal people. But the truth of the matter is, let's not simply settle for average. In other words, to make our way through life just day to day, doing our thing and just living an average life, let's long for greatness. Let's long to make a difference in this world for Jesus. Because he made a statement one day while he was teaching. He began to talk about salt. And he said that if salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing. The only thing that it's good for is to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Because salt takes something that is average and it makes it really good. It makes it great. Think about that. Have you ever, how many of y'all in here like some McDonald's french fries? Anybody? That's good stuff. Have you ever got a batch of McDonald's fries without salt on them, y'all? They're really not all that, okay? And so you think about something average, you take it and you put salt, you put seasoning on it, and it makes it great. Uh, we, we have some good friends of ours. Stacy and I, are, we're actually honored to be able to, to serve as overseers for a church up at our, in Minnesota. And our good friends, Dennis and Dana Calhoun, they pastor Souls Church. Great pastors, doing a, just a great job there. And the congregation is so sweet. We love them dearly. But I'm going to be honest with you, the food up there, everything we've had up there has been good, but they don't quite season their food there the way that we season our food here. And so uh, we went up there the first year and, and we, we landed and they, you know, we connected with them later in the day after we got to our hotel and stuff. And I really felt, you know, like, you know what, I, I'm going to show them what Louisiana cooking is all about. And so I said, you know, I want to make y'all, it was raining that day, I said, I want to make y'all a pot of gumbo. And they were like, oh, that, that would be great. We get some Louisiana cooking up in here. Yeah, you know, because they, they, I love their accent up there, and they are just the sweetest people. And so we went to the grocery store, uh, Lunds and Byerly's really cool grocery store, and, and walking around in there and trying to cobble together the things to make a gumbo with ingredients there, you know, they don't have the same things in the grocery store there that we have here. You know, you ask them for andouille or tasso or whatever like that, they look at you like you're crazy. And so I went to their, they had a Cajun section in the store. It's about this big, you know. And so I went there and they had one thing on the shelf <coughs> and I said, you know what? That is awesome. It was Tony Sachery's. You can't ever go wrong with Tony Sashery. So I got that, went back to their, their house, and we cooked up some gumbo. And, and, you know, here, just based off the ingredients I had, it was an okay gumbo. But they were like, this is amazing. And they would take some Tony's and kind of sprinkle it on top. And they taste it, and they're like, oh, my gosh. They're like, what is this magic elixir, you know? It's like, well, we eat it in Louisiana. It, it, it takes something that is average, and it makes it great. When you sprinkle some salt, some seasoning into it. And Jesus, when he was talking about salt that day, he, he knew that if we are going to reach the world with the gospel, as the church, there has to be something different about our life. We can't just say that we live for Jesus and we love Jesus. We have to really live for Jesus and show it every day to people all around us where we are. If we have the, the commission to bring the gospel to the world, then there has to be something different in our lives. And that is the salt of Christ. You take an average life and bring greatness into it by representing Christ within this world. So here's the question we're looking at today. So who is the goat. Now, 
we all know that right off the top of our head that as believers, we would say, well, well the goat is Jesus. You know, we, we love Jesus. We serve him. He is the greatest of all time. But this is a question that has raged throughout the ages. And you may not realize, but one of the greatest battles of all times actually raged before the ages even began. Uh, there was an angel in heaven. His name was Lucifer. And we now know him as Satan, but Lucifer was actually created by God, and uh, Scripture records that he was absolutely beautiful, that he was so gifted and talented. His role within heaven was basically to be the one who would lead worship towards God. He would lead all the heavenlies in worship towards God. So very talented individual, very gifted individual, and one day something happened within his life, and you go into the Old Testament, you find several things, several places in Scripture where you kind of find passages of Scripture that have double meanings. You find uh, one in Isaiah talking about how he said, you know what, uh, God, I'm going to be greater than you. I will ascend higher than you. I will lift my throne above your throne. His heart was to be greater than God. And then you go into, I want to take you, if you have your Bible today, we're going to go over to Ezekiel chapter 28. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, no worries, it'll be on the screen. But I want us to look at a kind of a rather long passage of Scripture here, about 15 verses. But you get a picture of actually what happened in Lucifer's life to actually have him to the place to where he wanted to be greater than God. He said, you know what, God, I know that everybody says you're great, but I'm going to be the goat. I'm going to even come, become greater than you. And you get here in Ezekiel and you see this passage of scripture. It's written as a funeral song for a king, but you begin to understand as you read it, wait a minute, there's more to this than just meets the eye. And you see that the, the passage actually has a double meaning. It's talking about what occurred in heaven with Lucifer. Now you see uh, Ezekiel chapter 28, we're going to pick it up in verse 11. It says this as Ezekiel begins to write. He says, this uh, then this further message came to me from the Lord. And that's Ezekiel speaking. Son of man, sing this funeral song for the king of Tyre. Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. And here we see the message begin. You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and exquisite in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone, red carnelian, pale green peridot, white moonstone, blue-green beryl, onyx, blue jasper, uh, blue lapis lazuli, uh, turquoise, and emerald, all beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold. They were given to you on the day that you were created, and I ordained you and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all that you did from the day you were created. Now let's stop right there. Speaking, of, thinking of Lucifer, speaking of him, how beautiful he was, how talented he was, that he had access to God 24-7, that he walked amongst the other angels, that he was a, a beautiful creation of God, blameless in everything. Look at this, until the day evil was found in you. Your rich commerce led you to violence and you sinned. And so I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, O oh mighty guardian, from your place among the stones of fire. 
Your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor. And so I threw you to the ground and exposed you to the curious gaze of kings. You defiled your armies with your many sins and your dishonest trades. So I brought fire out from within you and it consumed you. I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching and all who knew you are appalled at your fate. You have come to a terrible end and you will exist no more. You begin to see that second meaning behind this, this passage of scripture here. And that Lucifer, this pride built up in his heart because of the tremendous talent, the, the beauty that he possessed. And one day he said, you know what, it's not enough, God, to get, give you the glory. God, I want the glory for myself. I want to be the greatest. I want to be the greatest of all. You know, I think about that and, and it's where it all started right there. Because we, we look around in the world, we, we go on social media and see the things that are happening in this world. We look at the news, we see everything in front of us today in this world. There's a lot of trouble. There's a lot of problems. You see natural disasters, you see famine, you see uh, people, uh, you know, wars and people destroying themselves and addictions and all these things where the world is having all types of disastrous things. You say, where did all this come from? It all started on the day that Lucifer allowed pride to build in his heart. Where he said, God, I want to be greater than you. And a war began in heaven that was basically over just like that as God cast him down. This is one of the things we see here with Lucifer is this pride built in his heart for all of us. The issues that we have, the problems that we face, the, the things that we battle. For so many times, so many of us, it begins with pride in our heart. It begins with us uh, looking at our life and beginning to think, you know what, I got this under check and everything is okay and everything is fine within my life. And, and we let pride build in our heart. And the root of pride is always self. Think about that. The culture that we live in tells us, you know what, you don't need anybody, everything. You're going to be fine on your own. It's all about self. And when we think about self, we are selfish. We're self-centered. We are self-serving. And, and our culture even tells us, we even take our phone and we like to take lots of what? Selfies. Because so many times it's all about me, myself, and I. The root of pride is always self. But what did Jesus come to this world and teach us? He taught us that we are to die to self. That we are to think of others before ourselves. That we are to love. That we are to walk in compassion and mercy. That we are to, to honor the people that he places within our life. And I want you to get this. God is not against greatness. Remember, Jesus did not rebuke his disciples. He actually taught them how they could achieve greatness for their life. God is not against greatness. But what God does not want is for greatness to become an idol within our lives. You see, Jesus, think about it like this. When Jesus came to this earth, he, he didn't come to this earth telling, hey, everybody, look at me. I'm the greatest. I'm absolutely amazing. How did he come? He came to this earth born in a barn, born in a stable surrounded with animals, not in a palace, because 
Jesus did not come with the motivation of everybody looking to him as the greatest of all time. He came so that he could serve mankind. So today what I want us to do, you see this battle that has raged from the beginning of time. But today what I want to do is I want us to look at the life of Jesus. That if Jesus is the goat, the greatest of all time, and we are to be like Jesus, then there are some things that we learn from his life that we need to take into our life as well as the church. And so Paul actually wrote one day, he wrote a letter to the church of Philippi, Philippians chapter 2. And, and he began to speak about the life of Jesus. He started off by asking some questions. And then he talked to the church about some things that need to be in place because we see these things in Jesus' life as well. This is what he says. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Hey, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Look what he follows up with. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, but be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on a cross. And therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Man, what, what a beautiful passage of Scripture. But what a great passage of Scripture that we can learn so much from as we look at the life of Jesus, the goat, the greatest of all time, and what do we learn about Jesus by looking at the characteristics of his life? Well, these are characteristics of the goat. Here, here's the first one, is that first of all, the goats are always team players. What it looks like is this. You ever seen a quarterback go out without his team all by himself and win a game? It doesn't happen. Have you ever tried to, pl tried to play catch by yourself? It's not all that fun. You can say, well, Pastor, we can take the ball and throw it up in the air and catch it. That's fun for maybe a second or two, but then after that, it's really not all that fun. Why? Because you need a what? A team. If you're going to do great things, you need a team. And goats are always team players, and here's what I want you to understand, that as Jesus is teaching us about greatness, that all of us need to understand that when we surrender our life to Christ, when we embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior and Master of our life, that we join a team that's called the church, that's called the bride of Christ, that's called the body of Christ. We are a part of a team. Look at your neighbor and say, hello, teammate. It's good to be a part of a team. Because when we try to do things on our own, so many times it's not that productive. But when we are a part of a team, we can get some things done. And here's what I want you to understand about the team that you are a part of. That Jesus poured out everything for this team. Jesus 
will return one day for his bride, the team. Jesus always thinks about his bride, the team. You might say, well, Pastor, how do you know that Jesus always thinks of his bride, the team? Well, Scripture points it out, but I think about that in a natural sense because I know when Stacy and I were engaged and she lived here in Baton Rouge and I was back in Alexandria, man, we, we burned the phone lines up because we loved each other and we loved to talk. But we also, in those days, we wrote lots of love letters to each other. It was a good day whenever I got a letter from Miss Stacy, y'all. I'd go to that mailbox and open it up, and sometimes she'd spritz a little perfume on the back of it. Woo, come on now. Sometimes, this is kind of cool, she'd put on some lipstick and kiss the back of it. And it's like, what's up? Okay. But the closer we got to the wedding day, I could not wait to get married, to be with her for the rest of my life. Now think about that in a natural sense, but think about Jesus. He gave everything for us. And he knows that one day he will return. And as the day gets closer, when he returns for us, the bride, this team, you got to know that he thinks more and more and more about us. And the excitement within his heart, within his life, is building in a greater way. It's a good thing to be a part of this team I want you to understand because with each of these things that we look at regarding the life of Christ, looking at the characteristics of the goat, there's questions for us to ask about ourselves. You see that a goat is a team player, that Jesus always thinks about this team. He gave everything for this team. And if we're a part of this team, then here's the question that we all need to ask ourselves. How committed are we to the team? Are we attending regularly are we serving are we supporting are we doing the things that God has called us to do because I want you to get this together as a team we can accomplish so much more you might recognize might not recognize this but on Sunday mornings uh you know we have great time with worship and and studying of the word but it takes a lot of people to make this happen on Sunday morning And our serve team always does an amazing job parking cars and serving coffee and taking care of kids and making sure that the right scriptures go up on the screen and playing guitars and passing offering buckets and greeting people. They do an amazing job, but it takes a lot of people to bring a service together on Sunday mornings to have a great time of worship and create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is just free to, to, to minister to our hearts and our lives. Can, can we do this? Can we give our serve team just real quick a good hand clap? They do a great job. And so are we serving? Are we supporting? Are we attending regularly? Because together we can accomplish so much more to build God's kingdom as a team. Some things you may not realize that as a team that you have done just recently. Uh, One of the things that we talk about all the time is is that about two years ago, you guys gave towards a legacy offering, and and together as a team, uh, you guys actually built a brand-new care point down in Belize. Uh, Well, that's really cool because tons of kids are getting fed on a daily basis there in that care point. But guess what? This past Christmas season, you also gave in another legacy offering and I got a a text this past week that by the end of this month the the property will be secured and purchased for construction to begin of the second care point in Belize to feed even more children and so together as a team we're doing that look at your neighbor say that's pretty cool 
Here's another thing you may not realize that together as a team, we can get some things done, especially when we work together with other people. Uh, many of you know our good friend Bernie Moore. He's an evangelist. He loves to travel the world. And uh, Bernie goes to Africa and different places in India and Pakistan throughout the years. But he actually just completed uh, last week, one of our, our, our guys here at church went with him. And uh, he completed a crusade in Gulu, which is northern Uganda, southern Sudan. Went there and completed a great crusade. They had in that crusade over 265,000 people attend. And tens and tens and tens of thousands of people responded and gave their heart to Jesus. You say, well, Pastor, say, well, what is the part that we play in that? You guys, every month, year after year after year, every month, we contribute to his ministry to help him go and do these crusades only one it's hard to do that but together as a team as the body of Christ we can do some pretty amazing things all around the world and guess what you're not just a part of a team that's that's based here at journey you're part of a team that's worldwide because the church is worldwide and so here in our local community we're doing some pretty cool things but guess what all around the world other churches uh, are also doing amazing things for God to build his kingdom. So you start to think that together as a team, we can do some pretty amazing things to build God's kingdom. Here, here's some other things for you to consider. Is that uh, you, you don't know this, but this past year we had a, a good friend of ours who had helped us out several times at the church. He would come in and pour into the staff about life groups and helping us build our life groups and all that kind of stuff. His name's Lauren Foster. And Lauren came to us last year, and he was based out of in Arkansas working in a church here. And he said, the Lord has really put it in my heart to move back to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and launch a brand new church there. I want to plant a church. And so he, came, he said, Pastor Jay, would you guys be willing to help us launch that church? And we said, Lauren, we love that. We love the idea of launching churches and helping pastors. And so we said we would absolutely love to do that. So 2020, we actually are helping him to launch that church in Pittsburgh, up in Yankee territory. Praise God for that. But here's the cool part. Together, as a team, we're able to accomplish some pretty amazing things. Here's another thing that you guys are doing. Uh, you guys actually purchased a property in Watson and prepared that campus to be launched this year as a second campus uh, because we, want it, we have a desire to reach more people for Christ. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Uh, when we started that project, this old Stacey said, I have, we, as a church, I've never seen anything come together so quick and so easy. We bought that property and, and everything went through with financing and construction. This has been so easy. And I should have known the devil would raise his head. And he did through an organization called the Army Corps of Engineers. Uh, and so that project, actually, we've been getting through a lot of drainage issues and whatnot. So what has happened, we were actually going to launch the campus in Watson for Easter. And that launch has actually been pushed back. We're looking probably more to a July-August launch for the Watson campus as well. But the heart behind that is to reach more people in the community of Watson and lead them to Christ. Together, as the family of God, as part of a team, we can do some pretty amazing things. So the question for all of us is this. How committed am I to the team? Don't want to be a lone ranger. Don't want to go off doing my thing and just living my own life. But I want to be a part of a team doing things for God so that we can accomplish more. Here's the next thing that we find out 
we look at the life of Jesus and we know that he's the goat, but what do we learn from his life is that goats are always others oriented. Think about this. Did Jesus come to this earth for himself? Who did he come for? Look at your neighbor and say, he came for you. Look back at him and say, me too? Because he came for all of us. And here's what we learn from Jesus that we need to take into our lives as well. Is that goats are always thinking of others first. They're always putting other people before themselves. They have a heart to, to, to serve people and to minister to people. And, and here's the thing. When you think about somebody who is selfish, how does it feel when you are in a conversation with somebody and they're selfish in that conversation and all they do is talk about themselves, their opinion, their attitude, their mindset? Maybe you can't even get a word in edgewise. edgewise. How does that make you feel? Anybody? Doesn't make you feel good. Y'all are quiet today. Did y'all get any sleep last night? Have you had your coffee today? Did you eat lunch? A couple, okay. We'll we'll wrap it up soon. (laughs) How does it make you feel when somebody's selfish in conversation? Not so good. And so you you think about it when somebody is selfish and self-serving and self-centered. When we think about selfishness, we think of the kingdom of darkness. But think about Jesus, and when you think about the kingdom of God, you think about loving others, you think about serving others, you think about being compassionate, you think about mercy, because that's what we see in the greatest of all times of life. It's what Jesus modeled for us as he was here on this earth. Now, here's the thought for you. What would life look like if we live with the mindset of, I am not the most important person in this room? Because if you think about it, we all kind of live with that mindset. We pull up to a red light, and we think that I am the most important person at this red light. Everybody else better get out of my way, and if they don't, I might run them over. I'm going to definitely honk my horn at them, and it's not going to be a Christian honk, okay? It's going to be an ugly honk. What about this? Uh, We have the mindset that so many times at a restaurant, I'm the most important person at this restaurant, And if the little waitress doesn't fill my tea quick enough, come on, we're going to fuss and we're going to give her a hard time. What about this? I am the most important person in this church. What if we changed all that? What if we changed it to, I am not the most important person in this room. I'm looking for ways to, to serve other people, to honor other people, to put other people before myself. Remember what Jesus said, when you become the least, that's when you become the greatest. And so we learn from that, the goats are always others oriented. They're always looking to serve and to honor other people around them. The next thing is this, we look at Jesus' life, we see, I love this, goats are secure. Everybody say secure. They're very secure in who they are. Jesus, you look at him, he didn't walk around screaming at everybody, you need to believe in me, look at me, I'm awesome, I'm the goat. He didn't walk around telling him, you need to believe in my father because I told you so. But Jesus was secure in who he was, the son of God. He was secure in the mission that his father had for him. And one of the ways that we know of his security is because what he did right before he went to the cross. You see, in John chapter 13, Jesus about to go to the cross, and it says this, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. And he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. And it was time for supper. 
The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. That he had come from God and would return to God. And so here he is, sitting at this dinner with his guys. He knows that he's about to go to the cross and experience this horrific death. He knows that one of his disciples has betrayed him. So what did he do? So he got up from the table... He took off his robe, he wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. He began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. I'm going to tell you something. Talk about being secure in who you are. That instead of saying, guys, one of y'all needs to get up and take care of me. One of y'all needs to serve me. At the greatest of all time, the goat, Jesus, would get up and serve those who were sitting at that table with him. He knew exactly who he was, and he knew exactly what God had called him to as he was here on earth. Here's my question for you. Do you know who you are in God? Do you realize that once you surrender your life to Christ, when you realize that you are a sinner lost in your sin, and there's no hope for you aside from Christ, That's the very reason he came to this earth, so that we could all be forgiven. So that we can choose in faith to step into a relationship with God. Do you realize upon that moment of surrender that you become a son or a daughter of God? That as you move forward in life from that point that your father, he loves you so much and and he wants to lavish his love and his grace and his mercy upon you, as he changes you day by day by day. Here's the thought about God changing us. That uh, How many of you on here have kids? Have your kids ever done anything to aggravate you? Okay, yeah. I got three sons. They aggravate me sometimes. But guess what? Even when our kids aggravate us, do we still love them? Absolutely. Well, guess what? When we walk through challenges in life, when we make mistakes, when we do things that are disappointing, the love of God does not stop in our life. It doesn't mean that God says, well, you know what? I'm done with you. As his son, as his daughter, when we have a heart to repent and allow him to change us through the Holy Spirit, he picks us up. He cleans us up. and He puts us back on the path of righteousness that he has for our life. And so I love this because we look at Jesus and he was so secure and who he was, and we need to understand that as God changes our life, that as we begin to walk in that relationship with him, that we become secure in who we are in God. The last thing that we see here, we look at Jesus' life, is that goats are loyal. They're loyal to their team. They're loyal to their coach. We look at Jesus' life. Jesus was loyal to the ways of God. He was loyal to the truth of God, even when he was tempted. He's in a desert, and the enemy's coming and say, hey, look, I can make some amazing things happen for you if you only do this. And Jesus used the word of God to be able to overcome him. He was loyal to the truth of God. He was loyal to the ways of God. And here's a question for all of us. Are we loyal to God? Are we living for God in that loyalty? Here's what that means. And I want you to understand this. You cannot say that you live for God and live like the devil. When Jesus comes into your heart, into your life, he changes you. He makes you into a new person. Actually, he says it like this. At that moment, you become born again. And scripture tells us that all of us, one day we will stand before God and give an account 
of our lives. Ones who have died in their sin apart from God will face a great white throne judgment. As believers, we will face a judgment called the Bema Seat of Christ. Well, we'll even give an account of our life as believers. And so how we live on this earth really matters. And are we loyal to the ways of God? Are we living for God? There's a lot of people who would say, well, well, yeah, Pastor Steve, I'm doing pretty good. I'm living for God. I'm a good person. I go to church from time to time. Listen to me closely. Jesus said in Scripture that there will be ones who will one day say, well, God, we did good things in your name. We prophesied in your name. We gave in the offering. We went to church from time to time. And Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. That Scripture, every time I read it, it sends chills up my back. Because the question today for all of us is, do you know Jesus? Have you surrendered your life to him? Because in that surrender, you find him changing your life. You don't give your life to Jesus and still live in sin and live like the devil. You give your life to Jesus and you allow him to change you. Well, Pastor Jay, none of us are perfect. Yeah, guess what? None of us are perfect. But we don't live in that. We don't say, well, this is the way I am, and I'm always going to be this way. We say, you know what, Jesus, I may not be perfect, but here I am, and I ask for you to change me through and through. So here's what I want you to do today. I want you to close your eyes. The questions that I presented to you today about the commitment that we have to the team, do we put other people before ourselves? Are we willing to serve? Are we secure in who we are in our relationship with God? And are you loyal to the ways and to the truth of God? Are you living for God? And today, maybe, as you sit here, there might be some of you who would say, well, Pastor Jay, I I recognize that that I don't know Jesus. I'm kind of that side where you talked about, I do some good things and I go to church from time to time, but I don't really know Jesus. And today I want to know him. Today I want to surrender my life to him. I want him to change me. Today I want to be born again. Well, I would love to pray with you. There might be others who would say, well, Pastor Jay, today I recognize my need to get my heart right with God all over again. I need to make a recommitment of my life to him. Well, today I'd like to pray with you to help you step back into that relationship with God no matter where you are. And if you would say, Pastor Jay, today, I want to be a part of that prayer. It's time. It's time. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And so if you would say, I want to be a part of that prayer that you're about to pray. Wherever you are in this room, every eye closed, nobody looking around. This is a very private moment, very holy moment. The Holy Spirit is moving in people's hearts and lives. If you would say, Pastor Jay, today's the day. I'm ready to take that step. And raise your hand wherever you are. Let me see. Is there anybody here that would say yes to that? I see you right here. That's awesome. Right here. Is there anyone else? I see you right here, ma'am. And here's what I want you to do. For those of you who raised your hand right where you are, I want you to talk to the Lord. And I want you to pray something like this. I want you to say, Jesus, thank you for the love that you have for me. You would go to the cross and take my place. 
you paid the price for my sins and by faith today I receive what you did I admit to you that I'm a sinner and today I repent for the life that I've lived the sins in my heart and Jesus I ask for your forgiveness today I choose to be born again today Jesus I give you my life and I ask you to come live in my heart today I embrace you as the Lord and Savior of my life and I thank you today for letting me join this team the body Christ the church God your family in Jesus name I pray every eye still closed Father, I thank you for every person that is here today. And as we study your word and Jesus learn more about your life, I thank you that all of us will search our hearts, that all of us will allow the Holy Spirit to work inside of us, to change us. Everybody say change. To change us, to be more like you. Jesus, the greatest of all time. We'll learn to rediscover the heart to serve rediscover the heart to to put others first rediscover the heart to 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 walk in your compassion and your mercy wherever we are and to reflect your character in this world jesus so that we can make a difference for you in jesus name what's everybody say together amen god's good today amen let's all go ahead and stand to your feet Here's what I want to ask for you to do today before we dismiss. I want to ask for those of you who raised your hand to give your heart to Christ, or even if you raised your hand to recommit uh, your heart to Christ, to take a connect card and fill it out. I'm going to ask you to, to bring it up to one of our prayer team. They're here for you guys to pray with y'all and to encourage you. And I'm going to ask for them to go ahead and make, begin to make their way here to the front in our altar area. Church, listen to me. Every weekend, our prayer team is here for you guys. They love you. Uh, they've been praying for you all week long. And they are here to pray with you over whatever need you might have, whether it's for you or a loved one or a family member or a friend. They're here to pray with you and to encourage you. So if you have any prayer needs at all, come and let them encourage you and pray with you. And so today as we leave out, we're going to go into part two of this series next week. Very excited about it as we look at one of Jesus' miracles next Sunday. But as we leave out today, don't ever forget this. We don't just go to church. Love you guys. Be blessed. We'll see you back here this next week.